Brother Haytham mentioned to me what the uh, what the gifts were, uh, so I decided not to give him my notes uh, to win the gifts since I have most of my books already, <coughs> and I get them at a discounted price anyway. From this discussion that we've had so far, it is clear that extremism, and again now we're talking about just from a truly Islamic point of view, ignoring what the, any names or titles anyone may wish to give us, it is clear that extremism is something outside of the fold of the proper Islam. And it is in essence a kind of munkar or something that... Uh, and it should, is not acceptable within Islamic society and something that should be uh, repelled, something that should be works, worked against even within Islamic society. In this uh, lecture today, inshallah, I want to discuss, or in this lecture, this hour, I should say, uh, I want to discuss what are some of the texts of the Quran and Sunnah related to extremism, and how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has made it clear to us that extremism is something that existed or will exist and it is something that we as Muslims have to avoid in our lives. And as I alluded to earlier, if you go to like the Bible for example, you'll not find any clear cut kind of definition or prohibition or warning even about extremism. Of course, we know that the Prophet Muhammad is, is the last Prophet uh, to be sent by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And so therefore, it's not surprising to us that any this kind of direct instruction from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, because there's not going to be any Prophet coming after the Prophet Muhammad to correct any form of extremism that might exist in this ummah. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given us the very clear commands in the Quran and Sunnah uh, to keep us inshallah along the straight path so that we can avoid both extremes. As I said, both of these are extremes that we have to be very careful not uh, to fall into in our lives. The one extreme, in a sense you can say it even falls short in applying the minimum of Islam. What is Islam all about? While the other extreme goes, tries to go beyond the limits set by the Sharia in its application of Islam. The two extremes are different, are very different in their motivations and so forth. But at the same time, they are extremes that a Muslim will try his best in his life to avoid. And in fact, as some, as many of the scholars pointed out, if you look at the previous, uh, if you look at the previous religions like Judaism and Christianity, actually all of their faith really is built upon a kind of extremism in itself. With respect for, uh, with respect to the Jew, uh, to the, the Christians, for example, it is very clear that they went to an extreme with respect to the person and the personality of, of Isa alayhi salam. They went to an extreme of raising him to the level of divinity. This is a form of extremism 
and with respect to the, the, the religion of all the prophets of mankind that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sent, this is an extreme. Unfortunately, some people almost go to that extreme with respect to the Prophet Muhammad Maybe not making him one of the Trinity, but you know, they call him the shadowless prophet. When I first became Muslim, I got a book called The Shadowless Prophet, talking about the Prophet Muhammad I had no clue what, you know, I thought that's an interesting title. <laughs> I didn't know that what they mean by that is some, you know, some Sufis believe that he was not like a real human being. So therefore his body did not cast a shadow. And then they see, they bring some hadith that says that we walked behind the Prophet and there was no shadow. You know, for me as an American, this is like, uh, it's almost like a vampire, what they call vampires here. When he looks in the mirror, there's no, uh, there's no image. <clears throat> that is a kind of extreme. The Jews, for example, with respect to their people, and with respect to their human beings even as a whole, they went to an extreme in the sense that they are the chosen people, and they are the only chosen people, and they will always be the chosen people of God, regardless of their behavior and their actions and so forth. And in the Talmud even, it's even clearer, another extreme that they make, and this is maybe why so many Jews nowadays are what you call humanists, or what they call humanists, it is very clear in, in the uh, in the Talmud that they make human beings, or I should say Jewish, and in particular Jewish rabbis, into God themselves. In other words, more important than God. You'll find in the Talmud how the Jewish rabbis had to correct God, and God admitted that he made a mistake, and the Jewish rabbis were correct, and so forth. And this, kind of, this is quite often in the, actually this kind of thing is in the Talmud quite often. And every Muslim, in fact... Every Muslim in every rak'ah of his salat, he actually asks Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to keep him on this path, which is avoiding the extremes. اَهْدِنَ الصَّرَاطَ الْمُسْتَقِيمِ صَرَاطَ الَّذِينَ نَمْتَ عَلَيْهِمْ غَيْرِ الْمَغْضُوبِ عَلَيْهِمْ وَلَلْضَالِينَ If you think of this kind of uh, framework here, al-maghdubi alayhim would be on that side over there. Because if you look at the modernists, the secularists, and the uh, and the liberals, they are like the Jews in the sense that they see the truth, they read the truth, they know that's the truth, but they find any way to not follow it and not apply it. And Abdalin, Abdalin, those people who went beyond the extreme without knowledge, thinking that they're applying something which is pleasing to Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala. So even actually this du'a that we are making. In every rakah of our salat, it is actually a dua, whether we realize it or not, we are actually asking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to keep us on that straight path and to help us avoid the extreme, this extreme like the Jews went and this extreme that the Christians went. And the Prophet sallallahu uh, he told us in a hadith that al-maghdubi alayhim, it refers to the Jews, and al-dalin, it refers to the Christians. As I said, whether we realize that fact or not, this is what we're making dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It reminds me during the, uh, during the Gulf War, the famous, uh, incident that took place in the Gulf War, uh, in which there came an order to some of the Muslim scholars and du'at and sheikhs not to emphasize or not to talk about al-wala wal-bara. Since you know you have the non-Muslim troops coming. Try to avoid these issues. So one of the sheikhs told one of the princes, what are we going to do with uh, Surah Al-Fatiha? And the prince said, what do you mean? He said, 
Surah Al-Fatiha, he asked Allah not to guide you to the path of Al-Mugdubi alayhim and Al-Dalim. The prince said so. He said, well, the Prophet Sallallahu has told us in Mugdubi alayhim, this is the Jews and Al-Dalim, this is the Christians. So the prince thought about it a little bit and he said, okay, read the surah, but don't explain it. <laughs> so we have to know, and we have to know what it is that we are asking for and inshallah, the more we know, the li- our life as a whole will be very clear to us. What path it is that we are following, inshallah. <clears throat> One of the general texts of the Quran, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Tilka hudulullahi fala ta'ataduha, wa man yata'adda hudulullahi fa'ulaikuhum al-zalimun. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, These are the limits ordained by Allah, so do not transgress them. If any do transgress the limits ordained by Allah, such are the wrongdoers, the zalimun. This is Surah Al-Baqarah, Al-Baqarah, verse 229. So in this, this verse is kind of, a, <coughs> it's kind of a very general, general verse. But it tells us very clearly that, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given us commands and limits. And we have to make sure that we are beyond, between those limits, like those lines I put there, that those limits set by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And anytime we go beyond those limits, whether or not we go beyond the limits on one side or the other side, we are actually committing dhulm. We are from the dhalimeen, those people who are wrongdoers. And so therefore we may be deserving of the reward, of the, of the punishment or the displeasure of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So Allah has told us these are the limits set by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to not, uh, uh, transgressing. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala also in another, another verse which is also very uh, general meaning. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is telling the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is telling the Prophet sallallahu therefore stand firm along the straight path as you have been commanded you and those with you who turn unto Allah and do not exceed the proper bounds. He sees well all that you do. And it is simple. for example, is like when the flooding occurs, the water goes beyond its limits and floods out beyond its limits. Tughiyan is to go beyond the limits that have been set by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And as, as I said, as Muslims, we have to realize that we have to realize clearly that there's limits on both sides. As Ibn al-Qayyim mentioned many times, that any time there's, there's any kind of command from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, a shaitan tries to influence people in, in one of two ways. One way is to make them come short and not perform the minimum that this command is asking of them. And the other, or the other, Influence that shaitan tries to put over them is to try to take them to the other extreme and go beyond what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has commanded in the sharia. And inshallah when we get to some examples, uh, I think uh, they will be inshallah clear. <clears throat> well, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in particular talking to the Ahl al-Kitab. And as I said, if you study really the Ahl al-Kitab, all of their deen really is based on a kind of extremism, going beyond the limits. Even if you read the Bible, 
even if you read the Old Testament and the New Testament, and it is clear that the later development of what happened in Christianity is not something really founded in the original Bible, and it is an extremism that they himself invented. So in many places, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has talked to the people of the book. For example, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Ya ahlil kitabi la taghlu fi dinikum wa la taqulu ala Allah ila al-haq. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, O people of the book, commit no excesses. Do not go beyond the limits in your religion, nor say anything of Allah except the truth. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then goes on to talk about Isa alayhi salam. And he do not say that he is one of three, which is the trinity. Again, this is one of the excesses or one of the extreme, uh, extreme, uh, beliefs that they went to in which they have raised Allah, uh, raised Isa alayhi salam to the position of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala or equal to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. <coughs> Allah, uh, the, uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala also says in the Quran, يا أهل الكتاب لا تغلوا في دينكم غير الحق ولا تتبعوا أهواء قوم قد ضلوا من قبل وضلوا كثيرا وضلوا عن سواء سبيل. Allah subhanahu wa taala says, "Say, O people of the book, exceed not in your religion the bounds of what is proper, trespassing beyond the truth, nor follow the vain desires of people who went wrong in times gone by, who misled many and strayed themselves from the straight way." <clears throat> and in fact, as some of the, uh, as some of the, um, uh, some of the scholars in the history of Islam has shown, even the idea of the Trinity, if you study Christian history, the idea, uh, the idea of the Trinity itself actually is something that they took, <clears throat> the, tr- the Christians took from other pagans that were around at that time in the Roman Empire and so forth. So again, as I said, their foundation is built upon uh, and extremism, and even though these verses in the Quran are directed, or the main message is directed to the Ahl al-Kitab, the people of the book, the message to the Muslims also is very clear. That the people of the book, they went to an extreme, and because of that they strayed from the truth, they didn't stick to the truth that had come from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and because of that they are people who are lost, or they are people who have earned the anger of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And if the Muslims do the same, if they allow themselves to go beyond the limits that have set by them, that, that, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has set for them, and clearly set for them, then they will be following into the same mistakes that the people before us have fallen into, and so therefore they will also, uh, they may also earn the anger and the displeasure of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and become from those whom Allah is angered with, or also stray from the correct path. In some of the hadith of the Prophet ﷺ, he had also made it very clear that al-ghulu, al-ghulu or extremism is something that the Muslims have to be aware of, and it is something that is very dangerous for the ummah as a whole. For example, in one uh, in one hadith in which the Prophet ﷺ was uh, about to perform the, the, the jamarat or the stoning of hajj. Uh, he asked for some pebbles to be brought. And the Prophet ﷺ was brought by one of the, the companions, uh, small pebbles. 
And this again, this is, uh, I think this is very relevant to the issue or the idea of extremism. How someone could use his mind and forget what is the clear command from the Quran and Sunnah. And this will make him stray from the, the straight path. Because here you are, for example, as it is said, you know, you are stoning the shaitan. So if you go now to make hajj, you find people throwing everything. They're throwing their shoes, they're throwing whatever they can. Because in their mind, they are stoning a shaitan. What the Prophet ﷺ has shown us when he brought, when he was brought these, uh, these small pebbles, he said, yes, this is the kind of pebbles that you should use. And then the Prophet ﷺ said, وَإِيَّاكُمْ وَالْغُلُوءَ فِي الدِّينِ فَإِنَّمَا هَلَكَ مَنْ كَانَ قَابْلَكُمْ بِالْغُلُوءَ فِي الدِّينِ The Prophet ﷺ said, you must avoid or be wary of going to extremes in the religion for those people before you, uh, for the people before you were destroyed because of going to extreme in the religion. So here, even though the Prophet ﷺ is talking about one act of the related to the Hajj, the principle and the wording that he has given us about the Ghulu is something general. That you have to you have to understand what is this concept. And you have to be away from going to any kind of extremism in the religion as it is a cause or can be a cause of being destroyed, of people being destroyed or someone having his own faith uh, destroyed. The Prophet ﷺ also said, uh, and he repeated this uh, three times, the Prophet ﷺ said, Halak al-mutanatti'oon That those people <coughs> who go to the extreme, those people who go into depths or go beyond uh, the proper bounds in their speech or in their actions, these people are destroyed, the Prophet ﷺ said. <coughs> so here again, I think a very clear hadith doesn't need much uh, comment from me. Also the Prophet ﷺ said, لا تشددوا على أنفسكم فيشدد عليكم فإن قوما شددوا على أنفسهم فشدد الله عليهم فتلقى بقاياهم في الصوامع والديار The Prophet ﷺ said do not يعني شددوا عليكم يعني to not make things very strict and hard upon yourself for then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will be strict and hard upon you Verily, if people were strict upon themselves, so Allah was strict upon them, and it is their remnants of those people who are in the hermitages and the monasteries. And then the Prophet ﷺ recited the verse in the Quran in which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, uh, that this monasticism, we did not ordain it for them, but they in invented it for themselves, and they were not able to even, uh, keep up with that thing that they had ordained from themselves. In this verse of the Quran, I mean in this hadith of the Prophet ﷺ, it is clear that to make things difficult upon yourself is also a type of extremism in the faith. And what's, what is meant by that? That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has shown us what is the clear path, what is the straight path. And there are limits, yani within the straight path there are many uh, ways or many aspects that someone can please Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala 
and worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala within the proper way, within these limits. And these limits have, in essence, they have taken into consideration all of the characteristics of mankind. So you find, for example, within the Sharia, you'll find some commands that everyone, <coughs> everyone is obliged to follow. Like, for example, the five daily prayers. No one is excused from the five daily prayers. Now, obviously, the five daily prayers take some effort, right? It's not, uh, you know, you have to take time out, you have to make wudu, you have to stand up, sit down. You know, as you get older, that takes much more and more and more effort. <laughs> yeah. But this kind of effort, because of the results that it's produced and because of the action itself, this kind of effort is something that is required from every Muslim. And even within this effort, if there are, if there is really some way in which things become difficult for you, also the Sharia has already taken into consideration these kind of things. So if you're not able to pray standing, for example, you pray sitting. If you're not able to pray sitting, you can pray lying down. And in fact, if you're not able even to move at all, you still pray, given your condition. So these have already been taken into consideration in the Sharia. And however, beyond, for example, those minimum things, that is the minimum effort that every Muslim is required to make as part of the minimum aspect of Islam. Beyond that, there's other levels that a Muslim is free to go to please Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. If someone is attracted, for example, to fasting, he likes to fast, he can concentrate on fasting and he can earn, inshallah, the pleasure of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And maybe after performing the obligatory deeds, maybe it is his voluntary fasting that pleases Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala so much that it might be his key to entering Jannah. Somebody else maybe is attracted to ilm or da'wah or jihad and so forth. So these are kind of all open to the people. But beyond the minimum that is required in the Sharia, for someone to set some standards for himself that is difficult for him to meet, this is the kind of, uh, kind of extremism or a kind of, uh, uh, being harsh upon oneself that one should be, uh, very careful about. Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala likes for us to perform the deeds on a constant level, even if they are small deeds, we should do our best to try to perform them continually. These are the deeds that are most beloved to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Those deeds that we perform continually, even if they are small deeds. This is much better than just getting some energy and doing some big deed and then you go to another, you go to the extreme of virtually not practicing your deen for a while until you all of a sudden start doing everything and then drop again. And it is much better for you that you know what is the straight path, you know what is the minimum, you stick to the minimum, and you try to add something more to the minimum, but everything which is within your means. Because this will keep you uh, stronger on the straight path, on that path which is pleasing to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And in fact, the Prophet ﷺ in another hadith, he said, uh, إِنَّ الدِّينَ يُسْرِ 
the Prophet said that the religion is easy. And in other words, as I said, the Sharia has set down certain requirements that within, that are actually within the means of human beings in general. <coughs> the five daily salat and so forth. These are things that are, require some effort, but they are really within the means of human beings when you think about it. At least if someone has some iman. You know, this is all upon the pretext that someone has iman, has faith, then these deeds become something very easy. Yeah, if someone doesn't have iman, that could be difficult. For example, fasting the month of Ramadan. We as Muslims, we look forward to fasting the month of Ramadan. And we do not consider, in general, Muslims do not consider it something difficult. Because we know it is pleasing to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and Allah has made it easy for us because of our faith and because of the result of fasting the month of Ramadan. I had a neighbor, my ex-neighbor, he told me that if his religion had told him to fast the whole month, he'd change religion. <laughs> but Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has described it as something as uh, the deen is easy. And then the Prophet said, do not put hardships, or no one puts hardship in the hardships in the religion except that it overcomes him. So the Prophet ﷺ then said, seek the straight path, come close and accept the glad tidings. Because even when you try to follow the moderate path and stick to that path, even then we still have shortcomings. So the Prophet ﷺ even said, qaribu, yani telling us that the, the, the important is you have the intention to do what is right and you are trying to do what is right. You try to do what is right, and even then you might have some shortcomings. But inshallah, when you have those shortcomings, accept the glad tidings of if you are following that path, and having the intention to do what is right, and putting in the effort, then inshallah, even your shortcomings will be overlooked by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And with that intention, and with that way, inshallah, you will uh, be following the straight path, and you will earn the pleasure of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, uh, in both this life and the hereafter. So these are some of the texts from the Qur'an wa Sunnah that make it very clear that even from a religious or from an Islamic point of view, there is something which is to be considered <coughs> extremist or going beyond the limits that are set by the Sharia. And many scholars have defined what is, uh, what is extremism and basically... Uh, the definition that almost all of, the, all of them uh, give are virtually very close and very obvious really. It is, it is even very close to the literal meaning of the word of Al-Ghulu. It is to go beyond the proper limits set by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the Sharia. To go beyond the proper limits set by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the Sharia. And when we talk about the manifestations of the Sharia, of extremism, which are the next uh, two lectures, uh, we will, inshallah, discuss those more about what does it mean to go beyond the limits uh, set by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the Sharia. But at this uh, at this point, I want to uh, distinguish between two forms of extremism. Because, uh, and it is 
important to keep these two different aspects in mind. And also because the danger of one of them is it can be very extreme, like how I threw that word in there, <laughs> can be uh, very uh, great for the Muslim Ummah as a whole. The two forms of extremism or two types of extremism that I want to talk about. One is extremism with respect to, uh, you could say, particular acts or very limited kind of extremism where someone goes beyond what is necessary in performing specific acts within the general overall limits of the Sharia. And then the second form of, uh, second form of extremism is the kind of extremism where basically you are really replacing the Sharia with your form of extremism. It is a general belief based or general type of extremism that kind of dominates your life and your practice of Islam. The two types of extremism are very different. Both of them we should avoid. Both of them we should be very, uh, should be careful about, but one of them can be very dangerous for the Muslim Ummah as a whole. Just briefly, let me uh, explain some of the uh, the first type, the less dangerous type we could call it, extremism with respect to particular deeds. And in particular, this kind of extremism is probably going to exist in every community. Even every Muslim community is probably going to have this kind of uh, extremism. We see it, for, for example, during the lifetime of the Prophet ﷺ. Uh, the hadith, the well-known hadith in which some of, some people came to the wives of the Prophet Muhammad and when they asked about the Prophet's worship, they said to themselves that it is, uh, and it, the, his manner, what he's doing is too little, and it's not sufficient for them. And one of the explanations given by some of the scholars is that their view is that, was that the, uh, the Prophet and his, all of his sins, all of his previous and future sins will be forgiven by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. In other words, any mistake that the Prophet may have made, this is forgiven by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So therefore, the practice that he was following was not sufficient for them. And they are not the Prophet, they don't have his virtues, they don't have his merits. So when they looked at his example, they said, it is not sufficient. We have to do more than what the Prophet is doing. So, one of them, for example, uh, said that he will pray the whole night long. And he will not sleep during the night. As you know, it was the, uh, the, the, the case, for example, of the Prophet ﷺ. He used to sleep a portion of the night and he would pray a portion of the night. In general, that was his practice in general. Another one, he said, he shall fast continuously without breaking his fast. And the third one said that he shall remain away from women and shall never marry. 